0: How do I charge a car? Can I charge it in the rain? How far can I drive? Electric car. What's a power grid? Is V2G possible? What is V2G? Do I get free parking for my EV?
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Electric Avenue, a podcast about the electric mobility revolution and new energy economy as seen from our perspective out here in Central and Eastern Europe. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone. Communications Director at Electric Mobility Charging Services Provider Greenway, based in Bratislava, Slovakia. Today, an exclusive, wide-ranging interview with the CEO of ChargePoint, the largest electric vehicle charging company in the world. And EVs surging? Transport and Environment is out with a new report detailing the coming electric vehicles and it is good. Finally, did you know that you can travel to the Lonely Planet's number one summer 2019 European travel destination on electric vehicles? All that and more in this episode, so buckle up, get into Echo Mode, and enjoy the ride. I've been looking forward to this show for a while. We have loads to cover, so let's get right into it. Helping me out today, as always, is my co-host, co-founder, and managing partner of Greenway, Peter Bodik. Doberano, Peter. Uh, doberano, Aaron. So it's pretty hot outside today, isn't it? I mean, you're a cool guy, and even you're sweating when you showed up at the studio.
2: Oh, well, thank you for sharing this.
1: <laughs> well, you know, going to give people a real sense of, of being with us on this journey. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's in service to making a pretty important point about electric vehicle charging infrastructure. What we've been seeing lately is that the heat has been able to affect chargers and charging times. You have an electric vehicle that you take around daily. Have you noticed this as you've been recharging your up?
2: Uh, Yeah, sure. Sure, a bit.
1: So what exactly are you seeing? What's happening?
2: Well, if it's really, really hot and the sun is shining directly on the charger, especially in case of a fast charger, the charger has a certain temperature, operational temperature. And if there is really hot, it could happen that it overheat. It happens actually in our network as well that we have to lower down the speed of the charging just not to overheat the machine and to keep the operation safely.
1: I mean, it's, you know, it's funny. funny. We're always talking with people about how cold can affect charging and affect the battery in the vehicle and affect charging times, but this is the first time where I've really seen discussion of uh, the extreme heat affecting the charging infrastructure and the charging times.
2: Well, not only the summer heat and the heat from the sun, but actually if we talk about the ultra-fast chargers, which is now very interesting technology, but it uh, really transfer a huge amount of energy. And even a small losses in this transfer means that the losses are changed to the heat, basically.
1: Within the piece of infrastructure itself. Yeah, but yeah, in the yeah, piece yeah. of
2: infrastructure itself. So this new technology of ultra-fast chargers experienced, even uh, at the beginning of this year, some problems with the overheating of the cables. So this is a, still a new technology and some things need to be solved. And uh, what is maybe interesting, and not so many people know, that when we talk about really a high-power charging 350 kV, we need to use a cooled cable. So there's a liquid which cools the cable actively during the charging, because otherwise the cable would be too hot.
1: That's I mean, that's incredible. So there is ventilation within the charger itself so that they can help cool the process while it's taking place so that the charger does not overheat. If that is not enough, which is what we've been seeing over the last few weeks in some instances, then the piece of infrastructure will itself lower down the charging power that it's using so that it reduces the amount of heat. We've seen it down to seven kilowatts, but I've been hearing from other companies, sometimes the charger will turn itself off. And charging will stop altogether. And then on top of that, you're talking now about the cables and how the cables need to be cooled so that they make sure that they don't overheat as the power is going from the charger to the vehicle. Exactly.
2: So to sum it up, the heat is an issue. Uh, we need to fight with that sometimes as well in charging infrastructure.
1: I mean, this just really interesting stuff. It's also very important and I think something that people probably don't know. We put out a bunch of messages to the public to let them know that they may experience this to not be surprised, don't be angry or alarmed that this lowering of the power is actually for their own safety. I mean, we tried to be funny about it, you know, in our messaging, we said something like, your charging station wants ice cream, but sadly, they can't have it, so they're just lowering their its power. But it's a serious message about a really important issue that electric vehicle drivers will face.
2: Yeah, sure, Aaron. But we are working on it. We are looking on it. So maybe just a good advice for all EV drivers is that if there is a really extreme weather conditions, you should rather better look before you go to the charger on our online platform if everything works as it should.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't want to overblow the scale of the issue, but it is something that's come up recently, so that's why we're talking yeah, sure. about it. Yeah.
2: We definitely are working to make a charging available in every condition.
1: And it's not just the weather that's hot right now either. A new study put out just a few days ago by our friends at Transport and Environment show how the electric vehicle market is heating up too. And 2019 is a pivotal year in the switch to electric, especially in terms of the commitments and investments that companies have made in electric vehicle production technology and battery technology. Between now and 2025, we can expect to see significant growth in the number of models of electric vehicles available around Europe. Right now, there are fewer than about 40 battery electric models in Europe and, frankly, large disincentives for people to go buy them. There's long wait times, dealerships are not especially helpful, and in some countries their models are just not even available.
2: Yeah, that's right. I think the new report from Transform Environment is extremely interesting and we should talk about it, but it should be read in relation with a report which was published about two months ago from the same institution, which says about the current availability of the vehicles. So number of models are growing and will grow, which is perfect. On the other side, if you now go to the dealership, we experience, as you said, long waiting times. What is the important message in the This report is the summary of all commitments of the OEMs and the relation between these commitments and regulation, which force OEMs to produce the electric vehicles in Europe.
1: Yeah. I mean, in fact, we did a previous episode on the bill, the new CO2 standards legislation that the European Parliament has just passed, which frankly, if you look at the timing of the decisions that the OEMs are making, as well as when that bill starts to really come into force, you see perfect alignment, which clearly shows how policy is one of the main factors driving this transition to full electrification that we're seeing from some of the OEMs. Um, The report makes the point that these are the pivotal years, that the real choices are going to be made in the next few years, that by 2025, there's going to be 33 new fully electric vehicle models available for sale in Europe, and that when you include fuel cell and when you include plug-in hybrid, there are going to be 333 models available for people to buy around Europe. So this is really pivoting and transitioning the sector from it being a niche small market sector to something. something that could really be mass.
2: Sure. And maybe it's important to say why it's so important to have many models. If you look on the car industry in recent years, the number of available models grows significantly in the last, let's say, 15 years. So we have now a huge variety of times which we can choose. I think in Slovakia, there's about 350 models which you can choose. So people really, they can decide very specifically what they want and people get used to it. So simply one of the biggest disadvantage of electric vehicles now on the market is that there are only a few of them and definitely doesn't fit to expectation of all people.
1: Or lifestyle needs. Big goes smaller, you know, all these yeah. things. It's something you hear from people all the time, frankly. There's a lot more in the report. We're not going to cover it all, but encourage everyone to read it. A great job from Transport and Environment, really contributing to debate and sharing a lot of knowledge. And frankly, they call it the EV surge report. And I mean, I think that uh, it's exciting to think about the coming market for electric vehicles and what it could mean for you, for your families, and your friends. And hopefully soon, everyone will find the electric vehicle right for them. So, finally, there's a lot of good news about a large numbers of electric vehicles coming to the market soon. So, Peter, you and I work on the infrastructure side of the business, so that when these electric vehicles get to the market and onto the roads, people have a place so that they can charge them. And there's obviously other companies that do this in other parts of the world as well. And it's always cool to meet our colleagues and talk with them. I
2: think we would get that collaboration going.
1: So, recently, you and I were in Florence, Italy at the Euroelectric Power Summit, the conference of European electricity producers and distributors. In fact, our entire last episode of this podcast was dedicated to what we learned there, so listeners, if you're interested, you can go back in the archive and find it. Great. So I'm here at the Euroelectric Summit in uh, Florence, While Italy. we were there, we had well, many well, interesting in France, conversations and some good interviews as well, and I was able to talk with Pasquale Romano, CEO of ChargePoint. Did I pronounce your name properly? You, you got it really close. Uh, so it's Pasquale, okay. but especially if you're
0: in Italy, right? Yeah, well, I was in now, for
1: many listeners, ChargePoint will need no introduction, but for everyone else, ChargePoint is the largest electric vehicle charging services provider in the world. Their goal is nothing short of creating a new fueling network of bringing electric vehicle charging to more people and more places. Now, their business model is different than many others. They really provide charging infrastructure as a B2B service. They work with companies and employers to provide electric vehicle charging services to their employees or their customers. They claim to have over 65,000 locations in North America and Europe, and that a driver plugs into their network every two seconds. They say they have 5,000 commercial customers, and at the Global Action Summit recently, they made a commitment of having 2.5 million places to charge by 2025. These are ambitious goals, but ChargePoint has done incredible so far, and so it's exciting to see where they go. But enough for me. Here's Pasquale Romano, the CEO of ChargePoint
0: we're not in the traditional utility industry at all in fact even though we provide a charging infrastructure platform for businesses to provide charging infrastructure services to their employees and their customers we actually don't encumber the energy economics in fact we want to encourage employers for example to potentially even give the power away as an employee benefit so why we're here is we can't do this by ourselves the energy industry needs to innovate as much as our industry needs to innovate and we need to especially for Businesses, fleets, et cetera, have packaged energy products that also contemplate charging infrastructure in that packaging to make it easy to adopt. Because remember, none of this infrastructure is in the right place right
1: now. You mean the charging infrastructure? Yeah, so
0: the charging and the utility infrastructure, for that matter, because a car consumes as much energy in the United States as half a house. In Europe, it consumes as much energy over the course of a year as an entire house. So as we electrify transportation effectively for every car we're putting on the road in Europe, it's the equivalent of adding a house to the grid. But they fuel at home and at work largely and a little bit of around town. Mm -hmm. So there are big loads and most of the time the distribution infrastructure is not perfectly aligned with that new reality.
1: And so how is ChargePoint going about addressing
0: this situation? First of all, is raising awareness with businesses, with cities, with you know the general customer base for EV charging, and also working with energy providers to help solve that, to basically drop the friction of a business that wants to engage this revolution, drop the friction to make that easy for them.
1: And are you finding it different in Europe than in the United States?
0: Um, yeah, it's quite a bit different in some respects. Not When you get out to the consumer and what they see, it's no different at all. When you move back into the chain, it's quite a bit different. The starkest difference is Europe's completely unbundled Mm deregulated energy market, where in the United States that only exists in Texas and parts of New York and a few tiny other geographies in the US. Mm -hmm. So in the US we have a completely consolidated regional monopoly for distribution and retailing, where that's not the case here. So here it actually is more flexible. It enables more rapid change. The second thing that's larger here that doesn't exist at all in the U.S. is the fact that a lot of people acquire their vehicle as part of their compensation, Uh, at least in the early days of the EV industry. It's coming in through a leasing company Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as part of your compensation package. So approaching those companies in terms of being a catalyst for bundling charging solutions for home and work through that channel, I think is a very consolidated way to get the market going here in a positive way. So in many cases, it's quite a bit more well-aligned here than it is in the U.S. That's interesting. So is your business model then adjusting here in Europe to what it is in the United States? Yeah, it is. I mean, our business model is pretty similar in both markets. Uh, There's obviously local things that you have to adjust to. But in general, we sell access to charging to businesses so they can present that charging any way they want to their consumers or customers. So we give them the billing platform, the management platform in general for access control, energy management, et cetera, bundle in the hardware, can deal with maintenance and support and all those sorts of things. What we stop short is the energy contract feeding those chargers is that site owner's problem and hopefully getting solved by all the people that are here at Euroelectric.
1: So a business owner could opt to invoice their customers for usage of it, or they could opt to take that cost on themselves and provide it as a free service to maybe generate more customers for their core business.
0: Yeah, it's even simpler. So if they decide to pass on all or even part that could subsidize it, part of the cost to their employees or customers, we deal with that billing. So Uh we have the billing platform for that so they don't see it. They'll get their remuneration once a month from us, then it makes it even easier for them to decide. And not only that, it's flexible enough for them to decide uh, who, for example, a better customer or someone that has a rewards card or credit card from a retailer might get completely free charging when someone that doesn't may not as an incentive to move up that chain. So there's lots of ways of aligning EV charging with the business incentives. What the consumer sees is essentially subsidized, if not free fuel. It makes them very
1: excited to go to that business, hopefully.
0: Yeah, exactly. So what we're effectively doing there is it's a microcosm of what the Internet did to advertising in that you could add support things that you weren't ad supporting before the Internet existed. So what's interesting about driving electric is you're going to take what is a very expensive fueling and maintenance profile for a vehicle, and you're not only going to reduce it because
1: the cost of electricity is lower, but you may actually make it largely free for a consumer. That would be amazing. And that would obviously help offset the upfront cost of the vehicle, which is, as you said in your talk, and as we experience all the time, the largest problem that people are facing, frankly.
0: Yeah, I think actually if your electric wants to expand
1: further, start adding automakers to this conversation. Well, and as your colleague on the panel already said, I mean, this is, or maybe it was you in your presentation, that this is the first time where all of these different sectors are finally having to talk to each other, whether in the TSO side, the generation side, whether you're on the services side, and it's around the vehicle, it's around the mobility. Yeah, exactly. It's around the whole thing, and none of this succeeds if every piece of it doesn't succeed because it's a really big domino chain. And it's connected, right? And then you throw the digital element to it and the data. Okay, last question. I see we need to go here. I see you have another meeting coming, which is what are the biggest things that you're most excited about about the future of sort of EV and or energy, and what are the biggest concerns you have?
0: So the thing I'm most excited about, and most people would expect me to say the environmental impact, which I am immensely excited about is I'm actually excited about what it does to the cost of living over time. So if you think about the simultaneous, the evolution of electric transportation plus the acceleration of renewables penetration, which is going to drop the cost of energy in the long term. And by the way, adoption of electricity as fuel improves the overall cost of electricity because it reduces the distribution amortization into the cost of fuel. Mm -hmm. And then transportation is built into the cost of everything that you buy. So if you reduce the cost of energy and transportation, everything you buy should get cheaper through natural market forces. And then one of the consumer's biggest budget items in their personal life is transportation. We're going to make that noticeably cheaper. And then when you add autonomous drive, which is evolving on a a different timeline, but a similar arc, you're going to drop the cost of transportation even further. So we actually are going to be able to remarkably impact, I think, the overall cost of existing on the planet. That's exciting stuff. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much.
1: Well, that's what ChargePoint, a global electric vehicle provider, is doing. So, Peter, are there any things that uh, we can see ChargePoint doing that we are applying in our markets or that could and should be applied here in Central and Eastern Europe?
2: Well, yes, indeed. Maybe I would start with a little differences between European and U.S. market in this respect. In case of Europe, most of the infrastructure have been built by either utilities or companies which deal with infrastructure, like a Greenway, for example. And only now, coming to uh, interest of uh, different other players, f- the shopping malls, uh, McDonald's, 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 hotels. hotels yeah. And it could be uh, someone who employed people, you know, office buildings, mm-hmm. and so on. So. And this wide range of uh, entities are going into the market just right now. So it was a little bit different, but what we see is that we is mixing. So even the companies like us, we have a history of building own infrastructure, investing, and we are doing and will continue to doing it. And there are many companies like us in Europe talking with all these huge variety of entities and help them to build their own infrastructure. And helping them with the two important issues, and one important issue is the energy management on site, and the second is the billing. You need to know how to do it because you know placing one charger could be extremely easy, but if you think about a larger deployment, if for example 10, 15, 20 percent of your uh, employees or of your customers will li- require the charging infrastructure it's all of a sudden quite a big issue in terms of the energy management and it's very big issue in terms of the billing because you may have different approach to different employees different customers mm-hmm. you want to have a different uh, pricing scheme you might have
1: a building that there's permanent tenants there but there's
2: also temporary visitors very often very often or sometimes you may want to give a priority to the card of the CEO and, uh, <laughs> and and this this kind of things happen in real life so these are two big things in energy management and billing where the companies need to help if they decide to invest in their own infrastructure.
1: So we're seeing in our region more and more charging infrastructure at places like McDonald's or KFC or other, you know, let's say restaurant chains. Are these following the charge point model where they are maybe owned by the location, but they're operated by another operator like Greenway or some other company?
2: Exactly. And I think this is a future, a very strong belief that the infrastructure in the future, charging infrastructure, will be a, some kind of a crowd financing. So basically there will be many, many entities involved in this in terms of the who finance it. Because they have a different reasons, you know, there could be a completely different reason for someone who has a 1000 employee and they want to provide them a charging infrastructure. And as there, there is a completely different reason for a shopping mall to build the infrastructure. And there could be a city, another thing, which we already discussed in this show and that city could have a completely different reason to build infrastructure, different approach. So you have different entities with the different reasons to do it, different view on economics of it, which is definitely good, but naturally you need an enabler for all these companies. That's basically what the charge point is doing and that the companies like a greenway is now mixing their business Mm -hmm. model which is i think a great model yeah
1: well and if you take the information we got from transport and environment the surge of electric vehicles that are coming i mean there's going to be so many more drivers so many more vehicles on the roads looking for places to charge that are not a gas station but are a restaurant they're at or a home or an office building suddenly these you see these two streams starting to blend very clearly we need the charging infrastructure so that all of these new electric vehicles have places to charge
2: without any doubt and i think this is one of the biggest differences between the charging infrastructure and uh, getting the gas on a gas station. So in electric vehicles, the big advantage of electric vehicles, you are charging where you are. So it means that we will see uh, tens of thousands of the charging points everywhere. And it has to be managed. So this infrastructure will be much more similar to the internet than the old fashioned model of selling somewhere a liquid with a coffee and hot dogs. You know, So it's a little a different world and uh, very exciting.
1: So another point that comes up is this issue of roaming. You know, if there are all of these different locations that have charging infrastructure operated by different entities, do I need as an EV driver to be a member of all of these different companies in order to be able to use that infrastructure? And right now, this is certainly one of the biggest friction points in electric vehicle driving, is that in many cases you do need to be a member of a company or can only charge at the places where that company, who they are a member of, has a roaming agreement with some other company?
2: Yeah, I think there are two things in this. First is the technical aspect. So how all these charging points could be interconnected. So eventually at the end, you should have one provider of charging services in a similar way as you have one provider of uh, your mobile phone subscription. More or less, this technical aspect is solved. So we already have either a roaming platform where they can connect together, or we have a possible to connect these entities directly via OCPI 1.6 protocol. On the other side, there is economic aspect. How much I'm going to pay when I'm going to charge on this exact charging point. And I think we should learn here from the experience of telecom industry, where I think it is extremely easy for getting the telephone, and especially in Europe, and you are able to call everywhere for the same price. You don't have to worry where you are connected, and so on and so forth. So in my view, we should really, uh, in electric mobility business, goes in the direction. And why are we not there now? Well, it's a lot of alignment, a lot of discussions, and I think that someone needs to take a lead, and I can say that we would like to uh, do something in this respect. Maybe a Central and Eastern Europe is quite a good place to do it, because it's not so much fragmented in terms of the number of companies we are dealing with it than, uh, for example, Western Europe. So it's a long process, but definitely we will keep you updated about it.
1: Super. Well, we'll definitely be checking back in on this again. I mean, this could be great to see uh, an area where Central and Eastern Europe could be an industry leader in electric vehicle. Uh, that, that would be great. Services, yeah. Great. Well, I think that covers is it thank you very much to Pasquale Romano and ChargePoint for being an industry leader? And from the blistering heat of Slovakia to the deserts of California by way of Florence, Italy, that's our show for today. So, speaking of travel, Lonely Planet, a major travel guide company, has made their recommendations for summer 2019 European travel destinations. And do you know what the number one location that they provided was? Slovakia? Good guess. High Tatras Mountains in Slovakia. Peter, have you been there?
2: Yeah, sure, several times. And? It's uh highest hills in Slovakia, and it's something like a national treasure for us. The Slovak Alps, one could even say. It's a really beautiful country. But what is interesting on High Tatras is that actually, while the largest part is really in Slovakia, part of the High Tatras is well in Poland. So if you want to visit them, you can visit two countries where a greenway operates.
1: And so I don't know if all of our listeners know this, but you can get there with electric vehicles. You can drive either from the Polish side or from the Slovak side, and get there on electric vehicle.
2: Yeah, They should try it using a Greenway
1: Network. I, I would love to. Can we make it a work trip? <laughs> so... Any listeners out there, if you are still trying to figure out your summer holiday, consider an electric vehicle ride through beautiful Slovakia or beautiful southern Poland to get to the high Tatras Mountains. If you want to try this and you go to greenway.sk or greenwaypolska.pl and register, and after you register, email us with the promo code ICECREAM, we'll give you 25 euros or the equivalent zloty off of your first invoice. Check it out and let us know how it goes. And that's our show for today. We plan one more episode of Electric Avenue for August, but then we'll be back in autumn. Are there any topics you would like us to cover or look at? Let us know. Post it to our Facebook page or email me at Aaron.Fishbone at GreenwayNetwork.com. We certainly want to make this show interesting for you, and there's a lot that we can discuss out there, so let us know what you think we should talk about. And please, if you like the podcast, share it with a friend. I mean, I was at the dentist recently, and even while working on my teeth, I made sure he knew about it. Anyway, we're everywhere, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Store, Spotify, you can find us on any podcast platform. And I want to give a thank you to our team, producers Katarina Urban-Richterova, who's currently on assignment exploring the electric vehicle landscape of Southeast Asia, and Oksana Ferantsova, who's in the studio with us right now, making sure that all this recording goes well, and Julia Birchakova, who's in charge of marketing and distribution for the podcast. And last but not least, dear listeners, thank you. Peter? Jacqueline Picnic. This is Aaron Fishbone wishing you many happy and safe electric kilometers. I'm really glad we don't have a recording of that conversation because it sounded a little like electric avenue podcast. Anyway, can we get that ice cream now?